Hello friends! Welcome all. Today we're going to be talking about some interesting tidbits and facts and future things that we're going to like oh so much. And we're also going to be talking about the episodes of Invincible that has been released and we're also going to be talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All on Tales to Admonish! Nice, nice, nice. All right. Hey, Arthur, how you been? Hey, what's up, man? Um, just uh, just been working and stuff and, like, waiting with bated breath for all these good things that are going to be coming out soon. Oh, I know, I know. You've been keeping your eye on the news and you've been watching some new stuff. Uh, what, what do you, before we get into the, the two big topics for the day, what do you, what you been watching? Oh, well, um... I've been waiting for a while for uh, the new episode, the new season of My Hero Academia to come out. It's like one of the pop- most popular animes right now. Uh, have you heard of anything about it? I'm actually not that up to date on the anime world. Uh, what's the gist of it? What What's the show about? It's just like a, it's a superhero like based um, thing. I mean, uh, I didn't I was I didn't really like care for it at first because I felt like it was copying um, One Punch Man a little bit too much, and also. It like copied an arc from Naruto, um, the the beginning, uh, like uh, the the beginning challenge, um, uh, from the I think the second season, um, but but it's 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 quickly like taken a hold of its own sort of like thing and vibe, so yeah, the first two episodes are out and um, you know it's it's kind of light stuff. Uh, my friend Zeno actually does the voice for Hawks, he's like the super popular character. On, on that show and they have his storyline up fr- up like up front and center so i mean i'm enjoying it you should you should check it out well i'm a fan of one punch man i mean i gotta admit you know my my oh, anime do, 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 do. <laughs> oh absolutely i i love that show so much and it's funny because you would think that that would have pushed me to get into more uh anime but I, I keep up with one punch i keep up a little bit with attack on titan but largely um you know i i sort of missed out on that big craze so it's it's nice to hear if i like one punch man i might want to check out the the new my hero academia mm. yeah 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 um yeah it's what's 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 cool about it is um you know, it's it's superheroes. You know, from the Eastern perspective. You know, like they they have like the um uh what's the the type of schooling they have out there? Uh, I forgot what it's called, but um it's just just the way they have it set up, like the, like the way they would uh deal with superheroes if that was a thing in the real world, and um just like the the way like the the way they. Think of all of the, you know, the kind of uh, tropey sort of superpowers, whether it's super speed or, you know, there's basically a guy um, that has like the template of Spider-Man. Uh, but instead of webbing from his hand, he has like tape that shoots out of his elbows. <laughs> all right. All right. So not all of the superpowers are going to be as elegant as maybe we see them represented in some other books. I, I think that we're seeing a lot more of this, like people want this real world, quote unquote, uh, superhero experience. I think the boys really delivers on that. Yeah. Uh, Invincible, which we'll be touching on a little bit later, uh, definitely deals with some of that. So I think the the gritty, realistic superhero thing is really coming into its own recently. Well, yeah, I mean, we we have such we continue to have such a large palette for the superhero things, but we're quickly starting to mine every different like dimension and scenario of it. You know, 
Um, so it's, I really feel like the people that could really keep up with it is Marvel, honestly. Um, you know, like they had the best idea and like from the from the from the get go of just applying different genres to each one of their superhero films. That's and that's what always keeps it fresh. Um, but all these other things that are coming out, like they have to, they have to be like super original, or you know, try to figure something else out because like so much superhero stuff is coming out now. You know? I know it's amazing. I remember when I was a kid uh, reading Fangoria magazine and seeing that they were Roger Corman was making a Fantastic Four movie and they they shot a picture of the suit and the idea that you could see the thing on screen in real life was inconceivable. Nobody would make this. Nobody likes this. Nobody wants this. How could they get the funding for this? And now superhero culture has really become popular culture it's amazing the swing from obscurity to almost mm. you know omnipresence who's making yeah, not I mean, superhero stuff you know all the shit that we caught for like being like into comic books back then you know and that everyone it was easy to look down on somebody that looked like looked at a, a funny paper you know but all those people grew up and 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 like you know got power <laughs> and you know like that's basically what happened uh, well, I, I approve you, of that. Yeah, me too. Uh, what What have you been looking at? Oh, well, um, I've been um, catching up with my homework. I've been watching some of the stuff on TV. But one little thing that I caught in the news that I was super excited about is that uh, Into the Spider-Verse 2 is in development. We all saw Into the Spider-Verse, which was an absolute vision. It won the Oscar. It, it had every right to be as celebrated yeah. as it was. But one of the things that they're going to do in this multiverse is they're bringing back the 90s Spider-Man. And for mm -hmm. me, that, you know, is a huge part of what Spider-Man was in my youth. You know, people forget sometimes that one guy, Christopher Daniel Barnes, is responsible for the vast majority of the Spider-Man voice work that we're familiar with. Mm -hmm. Everything from the 90s cartoons to the video games. Uh, he was Greg Brady in the 90s Brady Bunch movies, which is hysterical <laughs> love, to love think that, about. Love that movie. That the same guy who's battling uh, Green Goblin was singing Clowns Never Left before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, that cartoon meant a lot to me, too. Uh, it's interesting, the, the uh, clothing choice that they had for that Peter Parker, like that, that teal, white, and pink striped <laughs> shirt that he yeah. always had on. <laughs> that was such a good series, man, especially when they went. Especially when they would have them cross over, like with the X Men and stuff, and whatever cartoon was out at the time. I think Fantastic Four had a cartoon at the time. Oh yeah, Fantastic Four had a cartoon at the time. There were, I mean, look, there's been a Spider Man cartoon basically all of the time, and I I love all of those '90s Marvel cartoons. When the X Men mm -hmm. cartoon came out, it was so oh my god, they're actually making it because again, this stuff was so obscure. Nobody knew who the X Men mm -hmm. were, and it was really mm -hmm. just a vehicle to sell toys. And I don't care why you make it as long as you're making it. But those cartoons yeah. were great. My favorite all time, though, has to be um, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends from the, 19, mm -hmm. the early 1980s. That was mm -hmm. because as, as a kid being into the X-Men, you had Firestar and Iceman on a team with Spider-Man. That was the closest I was getting to an actual X-Men cartoon at that time. Yeah. And so right. while it was Spider-Man carrying you know, the lead of the show... It was an X-Men mm -hmm. show, so I still pop that on all the time. 
And uh, I absolutely love it. So I'm super excited that he's finally mm-hmm. getting an appropriate place in the cinematic world that that Marvel and Sony are building for these characters. So I was I was super stoked to see he's going to be involved. So keep an eye out for that. Oh heck yeah, man! Yeah, um, they're doing a good stuff with that movies, uh, with those movies. Um, you know, um, uh, quickly, uh, uh, I I didn't really approve of what they did with the the Miles Morales game that came out on uh, PlayStation that just came out because like I felt like um, you know because it wasn't a full game in uh, and I just wish they built like. Miles Morales's game from the ground up and not just use the Spider-Man engine from the other game. Uh so like that for that I couldn't really enjoy it, but the thing I did enjoy was that once like you're playing with Miles Morales swinging through the city, you know, like it's a black voice that's coming out of that dude and and it, like he's saying the stuff that I would say if I was swinging through New York. <laughs> <laughs> he's like well, that was dope <laughs> i was like oh well, my being god from new york I, I appreciate the accuracy that they got in that game mm-hmm. uh, i have watched other play others play it i have not actually played that game myself um i my marvel game of choice is marvel contest of champions on my iphone oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, which i i know is weak sauce compared to some like you know something like spider-man but i've seen gameplay of it and i'm like i know that neighborhood I know that area. Like they really, really nailed the look and feel of New York um, mm-hmm. in in what I've seen of those games. And yeah, something about Spider Man, you know, speaking like the current generation does and the current you know iterations of mm-hmm. fans do. I think that uh, Spider Man is perfect for that sort of thing. There are certain characters that changing their racial makeup maybe changes uh, some of the aspects of the character. Batman's a great example of one because Mm. Batman's perspective is born out of old institutionalized privilege. And I think that if you tried to apply that concept to a black character, there's a a little bit of a disconnect there where not that I'm saying that quote unquote Spider-Man has to, or Batman rather, has to be white, but I'm saying part of his modus operandi comes from his family's continued privilege in the Gotham community and Mm -hmm. something like that wasn't made available to African-American communities. But when it comes to Spider-Man, just like they said in the movie, anybody could wear the mask, anybody Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. So I, I love that. And um, I I think he's been an amazing addition to the lexicon. And uh, I think we need more Miles Morales in the future. I don't think Peter Parker, Peter Parker's story has been told. Let's get some other stories. I just want weird, awesome stories that reflect Mm -hmm different perspectives in a different time. And especially if that different time is now. Well, I mean, they, they made a big splash with into the spider verse. Yeah. So yeah, that was fantastic. I can't wait to see all the sequels. Can't wait to see uh, the new Tom Holland, Spider-Man too. That'd be interesting whenever they decide to bring um, miles to the real world. Um, uh, so, yeah. So uh, you have any new, uh, any other news? Uh, the only other news I saw was if uh, you remember last week we were talking about some of these uh, comic book movies delving into other genres. And so like Ant-Man and the Wasp is a heist movie and, yeah. you know, different different Marvel movies. And the one place where we say, where at least I think there's been almost universal failure is in adapting comic books to um, mainstream comic books, rather, to a horror genre. So mm-hmm. we see that, you know, Fantastic Four tried and it didn't really stick the landing. And the New Mutants, um, 
got as close as maybe anybody got. And still, it's serious, seriously lacking from a horror fan's perspective, which I am such a deep horror fan. But mm -hmm. recently, I saw that um, the uh, screenwriter for the new Zatanya movie is saying that this is going to leave Zatanna. Matt Zatanna, I know I always pronounce it funny. <laughs> I, I don't know why I like like I want to pronounce it like Zendaya or something. I want to put a Y in there that doesn't belong. But Zatanna, um, that they're gonna lean in. They're absolutely gonna lean into the horror aspect of it, and they are they are saying that that is the direction from the get go. I think. Um, like when referring to the Fantastic and the the New Mutants, the New Mutants one was interesting because they leaned thriller, but then they cut the trailer so that it was super horror-y. And the response mm -hmm. everybody gave was, "Oh my God, we this is going to be a horror movie. This is what we want." And then the production team was like oh man, we got to go back and shoot some more horror stuff because we're a little bit thrillery and this, this, um, I think this trailer represented the movie a little bit as something it's not quite going to be able to live up to. So let's see if we can get it up to that level. And unfortunately we all kind of know how that turned out. Mm -hmm. But if you have the screenwriter, even before a director is selected saying, this is the movie we're going to make, we're going to make this horror thriller magic demons witches and we're leaning into it from page one i think they got a real chance to succeed and i, I for one would be psyched to see it i mean my, my only problem with it is that dc has done such a shit job at like really establishing what their world is and this whole this whole elseworlds thing is such a cop-out for them not being able to really pull everything together so like i mean I, I hope they pull this together but it's just like to what end if it's just going to end in one movie or, you know, not be connected with any of the other characters because they got recasted. It just really puts a damper for me on the DC movies. I mean, see, I, don't, just like, see I don't push against that. I don't push against that at all. Um, you know, I don't mind a one-off if it's a good one-off. I don't think everything has to be connected so much as I just want it to be good. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like we've, we've, We've as as we've seen with like like the really rewarding storytelling that we've seen, you know, which which I want to talk about with like the Loki series, um, basically who's it just came out with a new trailer this week week um, like that's you get such a crazy satisfaction from a great build up and great because like you know with this Zatanna thing we got to go through the whole mess of of course with like you know casting somebody establishing what world this is, how loosely tied, because it's, it's so loosey-goosey, the world that, that, that they're tied in. So that means they have to rebuild, like probably rebuild a world. And it's just, it's just harder to get into anything that's just like, that doesn't have the craft that's associated with it, that's not tied to anything. I mean, it, Zatanna, Zatanna's not a, that popular a character. I mean, Wonder Woman barely has any like really big stories and you saw how long it took for them to adapt her. So now they're going to try to adapt Zatanna, you know? So, yeah, but you know what? I don't mind the standalones and to that end. So then recently announced as well, um, Warner brothers announced that the, uh, the new Batman movie is specifically set in earth too. So do you, do you butt up against that as well? Is yes, that problematic for yes, you? Did you want yes. that? Yes. Cause like, I mean, as cool as it looks, it's stupid. It's so stupid that they have two Batmans walking around, running around. It's just like, how can you get invested? You only invested in the aesthetic. 
you know, because oh, that's a cool looking trailer, but it's like it's not tied to anything that that's happening right now. It's just really confusing, and 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 also like it's it's oversaturation, and it and it and it takes away the power of your characters, you know, like that's that's a problem. Like it'd be weird to have oh wait, we have five Batman movies out, all different actors. Like that's an exaggeration, but that's what it leads to. That's like, I mean, that's kind of exactly what it is. All the different Jokers, you know? See, I don't know. I just, I like to like things. <laughs> and I, I, I want to just see a good movie. And I think if you could tell an original story, because sometimes I think that all of this interconnectedness ties people's hands. So just like you're saying, like, how long did it take for us to really get substantial development on Wonder Woman? And that's one of the key characters. And we've got too many damn Batmans running around. I, I acknowledge that. But for something like a Zatanna movie, um, I think that can be standalone. I don't think it has to match into the larger universe. I think that if you tell a compelling story, because just just let's let's just change the name. If you wrote that story about, you know, a mystical character who has an objective and all of the typical story beats that you see in a movie. Like, if you write a good script and you get a good crew to put the thing together and you make a good movie, like, I don't butt up against the fact that when I'm done watching, I'm like, well, I liked it, but how does it fit into the bigger picture? I think I think that we've almost, there's almost too much of that. I want a good movie. I don't, I don't need to, when the movie's over, look at it and go, um... Well, that was great. I really enjoyed it. But I don't really understand how it ties to these other five movies. Like, it doesn't. I can just accept that as a viewer. It doesn't tie into these movies. The world's a really big place. And sometimes superheroes are doing stuff that other superheroes don't know about. Now, I think when you firmly establish an interconnected world then I don't accept that answer anymore. But if you can give me a reason to believe why this stuff is going on and and just have it sort of exist on the same planet, if not a fully integrated story, as long as the movie's good, I'm going along with it. I mean, think about Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. when it first came out. Those characters ultimately would tie together and everybody comes together, but that movie just on its own could have lived outside the Marvel Universe if Marvel Studios had suddenly blipped out of existence after that movie was released. Um, I mean, I, I think that might be a little arguable. I mean, it's because it's, it's like, I don't know. To just create, like, I mean, if we're talking about, like, space stuff, and I don't want to go into a whole other tangent here, but, <laughs> um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the space stuff that's come out has, has been pretty generic in the last 20 years. It's either fo fo forming, like, the mode of an alien movie. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's most, mostly an alien movie, like, you know, like, or, or something trying to be Star Wars, which not, not a lot of people, like, try. Because Star Wars has that down pat, you know. So for something like this to happen, it was like a hodgepodge of stuff. Like it was based off of the comic book characters. You know, I don't think you could just create characters like that for a movie as like an original concept. It's like I don't want to take anything away from the comics and like and the lore and, and everything that it was it, it was connected to, because it definitely was connected to the other movies because Thanos was in it. You know what I mean? And that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's the whole point of, like, why you, it, it's very satisfying that all these things are connected. And um, my, my other point, and, I, and I'll just, like, we'll end it here, 
is that, you know, these are based off of comics that are, are telling a serialized story. So what Marvel has done is successfully make that a thing. When, you know, like the best thing is just like for information on this, read issue five. You know, like that's this is essentially the same thing now, like with all these amazing details. And I want to talk about Loki for a second before we go into our, our main sure, topics. Sure. I mean, that's the joy that you get from seeing this Loki thing. Like, like over the span of 10 years of telling this massive story, like, now we get to get these, uh, you know, TV shows, like, really high-quality TV shows. Like, this is not anything that DC can even, like, conceive of, of doing at this point. Because all their TV stuff is basic TV stuff, that's separate from their Marvel, their their movie universe stuff. That's um, not all together. I'm just saying, like you, it's I, I I can see it. Like we we enjoy one off movies all the time, but this is something special that Marvel's done. And honestly, DC would be in a better place if they'd done the same thing. They really would. I mean, like their I mean, their movies don't perform that well. Like like I mean, there's a reason why their movies aren't performing that well, and then they. They don't always have the best luck. I think the best luck that they've had with getting a production team together is uh, James Wan for uh, for Aquaman because that winded up being fantastic. And uh, honestly, this new uh, uh, James Gunn leading the effort on uh, a Suicide Squad that trailer looks insanely fun. <laughs> You know? Yeah, it does look good. That trailer was was a heck of a lot of fun. It's so James Gunn. It is so James Gunny. Yeah, and I like that. I mean, I I I feel like it's always going to be arguable. It's like, oh, I could ju- just enjoy one thing. I, I don't know. Like, I can enjoy one thing too. But if if you could do it where like there's like a richer experience that's tied to stuff and has the potential of telling a bigger story, I think I'd prefer that. You know, I think we can sum up this whole conversation with my favorite taco commercial. Que no las dos. Que no las dos. Let's have it all. I want it all. I want interconnected. I want standalones. I want these companies have more money than the Pope. Throw all mm. of the money at everything. And let's <laughs> let's separate the wheat from the chaff after the fact. You know, give me standalones. Mm. Give me Earth 2. Give me alternate dimensions. Um, mm. Que no las dos. Why can't we have it all? So mm-hmm. I, I think I think that we're living in a golden age of comic entertainment. Uh, I think the Loki trailer, which you were just talking about, is amazing. Um, although oh, yeah. I am a little little worried about time travel adventures in an interconnected universe because the the problem that you start to have once you introduce time travel is then that becomes a question that you apply to everything else that's interconnected to it. I mean, when 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 I look at the trailer, I think they. I think they really they think really hard about all the stuff that they're doing. You and you can see it in all the details. Like their their production, their production like uh art and and um and props and all the type of stuff, that all the things they put in the background, all the easy uh easter eggs, that's everything's done on purpose. And like well, I think they, that's a it's a beautiful mix of intent and budget. You know, part yeah. of the problem, the reason we're not seeing this stuff before is because nobody's applied these kind of budgets to these things. That's what, yeah, that's the experience you get with Marvel, buddy. 
<laughs> DC is afraid to drop a little bit of coin. Is that the thing? DC uh, ain't got the guts to to really pump the cash into DC the has, television empire. DC DC has a lot of issues. Like first of all, they ran by Warner Brothers, who don't really love their characters. Like oh, DC, the DC characters is just one of their other, just one of, one of their many IPs. You know, so like I mean, that's that's why they. They wouldn't. They wouldn't immediately say, "Oh, we need to make a movie about Booster Gold," you know. Like they, they, what they would be like, "Who's Booster Gold?" You know, like <laughs> that's what they would do. <laughs> like that, they don't. Like, they how, don't care. how do you not know Booster Gold? Time travel's really in now. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. It's just like there's a there's a clear difference. Marvel is the studio versus Warner Brothers, who has DC that's a part of their studio, and when they hear DC. They always have historically just thought, oh, Batman and Superman. And, you know, and that's, of course, what we've seen mostly, mostly in the last 40 years. You know, I mean, the only reason they did Justice League is that they they were just they were dumbstruck that Marvel was making a billion dollars per movie. And they're like, oh, we need to get on this ticket. We need to get on this hot ticket. Let's just make the Justice League movie. Oh, don't you want to, like, you know, set it up? No, we don't have time for that. <laughs> that that's exactly fair and i think that that's what happens is that you see somebody blaze a trail and they tried to dive head first into the uh into this shared universe thing i think the uh the mummy suffered from that as well you know when they were trying mm-hmm. to make uh the universal oh, oh yeah universe that crap was so hilarious and the whole movie <laughs> just existed to set up characters and you're like oh, i'm God. watching I'm watching a commercial for movies that you're never going to make. What oh, is yeah. the point of this movie? Oh, well, yeah. Marvel just said, let's make Iron Man. Oh, Iron Man is good. That This is good stuff. Let's make another good movie. Let's make another good movie. Oh, this is mm-hmm. all working out. Like they had a plan and they dropped the Easter eggs, but oh, yeah. they didn't have to pay it off if it didn't work. And when it did work, they said, okay, now we get to pay all of this off. So watching Marvel get the head start, and everyone's going to sit here thinking that we're, you know, uh, shilling for Marvel and hating on DC. But um, I think they just, they got, they got the formula right first dude and so want, now everyone's want, following the formula bro i want dc to do well i want dc to do well you know i gotta want them to do bad i love batman and i i feel like batman's probably what their their best cinematic character but but because of that they overexpose him and then they make batman weak you know other than that um you know you could get some genius level talent to make anything good you know if they if they just trust that talent and don't put too many cooks in the room, which is what they always do, so like I said, I'll give I give full credit to, to uh, um, Aquaman. I was really dumb. I didn't see it in the theater because I had I was like really frustrated at Superman versus Batman at the time, you know. And I was like, oh man, everything's gonna be crap, you know. And I really missed seeing that in the theater. That movie is fantastic, like visually. And just like a lot of the thoughts that John uh, James Wan had, you know, and I, I give a I give a lot of credit to Wonder Woman. I just think Wonder Woman was miscast. Like I always wanted Evangeline Lilly to put, play Wonder Woman. One like Ooh, Wonder Woman. That's a good pick. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman needed to be. She needs to be like the warrior. Out out of, out of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is the warrior. You know, and they do all these kind of cutesy like. Things with Gal Gadot, like, 
And he's like, which one do you want her to be? Do you want her to be the fighter? Do you want her to be like this uncertain person? Like, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I really feel like, like, you know, you know, like the way Zoe Saldana is as, uh, as, uh, Gamora. That's the sort of energy that Wonder Woman should have. I, I, I get that, but I, I don't, I don't butt up against Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman at all because I also think that there is, pardon the pun, there's definite precedent for the wonder of Wonder Woman where, yes, she's very intense and yes, she is distinctly in all aspects a warrior, but going back to my favorite stuff that DC's putting out, if you look at like their animated uh, Wonder Woman stuff, um, there's a lot of fish out of water, like, fun to the character. I think an amazing callback is, like, in the cartoons, Wonder Woman grabs ice cream anytime it's available. So mm-hmm. she lives on a tropical island. She's never had ice cream before. Mm-hmm. So anytime the characters encounter ice cream in the real world, she has to stop and have some. And I mm-hmm. think there's room for some of that levity in, in the character. Mm-hmm. I don't think it needs to be so intense but hey, give me a super intense Wonder Woman. Give me, give me all the Wonder Womans. I want everything. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, you got to pick a side, Tom. At some I'm point, I'm not picking a side. <laughs> I like everything. You know, the other night I watched uh, Justice League: Dark Apocalypse War, the the cartoon, mm-hmm. and. I freaking loved it. I freaking loved it. It has no bearing on anything. And spoilers for anybody who's hadn't seen this. The movie ends with the Flash creating a flashpoint and undoing absolutely everything. So you could look yeah. at that movie and go, oh, man, there were no stakes in this at all. But you know what? It was an R-rated horror, thriller, mystical-themed DC Universe experience that was completely separate from anything else around it, and bro. I just enjoyed sitting down and watching it. I mean, bro, I mean, it's one thing you can ever take away from Warner Brothers in DC is their animation. Their animation, and as far as American standards of animation, has been on top for 20 straight years. For 30 years. 30, 30 straight years. I wish Marvel would like take a note and just start making some good animated movies because we're not going to see all of the stories from 40, 50 years of continuity in movies. I mean, maybe over a long enough timeline we do, but I have X-Men stuff that I want to see on the screen, and animation is just fine for me. And the other thing is I want to see... The, the R-rated versions of these things. Mm-hmm. I know people see animation and they think kids and, oh, that's a well, cartoon. Cartoons are for kids. But we're in a golden age of adult animation right I now. Mean, and Marvel will not touch it. I mean, Marvel never in the early days had, like, a Bruce Tim and Paul Dini. Paul, Paul Dini and Bruce's Tim stuff, like, is what completely changed all of that. And like led into all of the animation that we have now is based off of the work that they did. So like I mean, and, and you know, especially it, what was really aided by that was that everything was under the Warner Brothers label. Like Marvel's stuff was like scattered everywhere, so there was like diminishing quality for everything. I mean, like their most memorable cartoon will always be the '90s X-Men, like the one that just completely, completely you remember. You know, then I'd say Spider-Man was second as far as animation. You know, but I mean everything. Everything mm-hmm. that they've done so far, I mean, I mean, it's it's it's, it's of good quality. Um, uh, I I I've been I've been watching the recent Spider Man's uh cartoon series and uh and uh Gardens of the Galaxy, and it's it's pretty funny, but it's just not memorable. 
we we ought to we, we I like the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon. Ought, I, I do like the Guardians of the Galaxy, but you're right, it's not terribly memorable. We ought to get to our uh, main main uh, news points. Well, here we go talking about violent cartoons. Yeah. Shoot, we got we got a heck of a violent cartoon. Invincible. <laughs> oh man. And so, yeah, I mean, look, the podcast is called Tales to Admonish. And before mm-hmm. we even talk about the show, I want to talk about the trailer. Can I say, yeah. I, I wish I hadn't watched it. Yeah. I wish I hadn't watched it. I think it killed the surprise. I think if you go on YouTube, you can oh, watch yeah, a, yeah. Okay. a whole bunch of people who are like, there are all these reaction videos to people watching the last five minutes of it. And oh, let's take a moment. Spoilers. We are going to spoil the shit out of this. <laughs> if you have not seen Invincible, then maybe scroll forward to when we talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're going to talk about Invincible for a little bit, but spoilers. Mm-hmm. So many spoilers. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the last five minutes of episode number one is the thing that's on everybody's mind. I saw that coming from a mile away for no other reason than the trailer. And my, my mm-hmm. girlfriend and I sat down, we watched the trailer together and it starts off with the idyllic sort of kids got a 90 cartoon kind of nineties cartoon kind of feel. And then, um, but you know, if you've seen the trailer that this, there's a tonal shift coming. She speculated that it would probably be episode two or three. And I said, no, 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 no. It's mm-hmm. a short series, long episodes, but few of them We're getting this in the last 10 minutes they are going to flip the script on us. And oh man, when they flip that script, it lands so hard. Oh yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm coming on the other side of it. Like, you know, you, you saw a trailer that like, like mildly alluded to all that type of stuff. You know, I, I read the comic of course, like, uh, you know, about 16 years ago <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, I mean, what's, what's so great is like the, the, the story didn't skip a beat from like when it was to- told originally to where it is now is just just as fresh as it was when it came out and it's just coming out at the right time you know because even back then you know it's clean really colors and line work made like it it always sets you up to think oh this is a this is a kids clean sort of thing you know like that the way the cartoon is set up it has that same look of any of the other regular uh superhero and it's got a saturday morning feel Yes, it has all of that set up. So when the ultra violence happens, you're like, holy fuck. You know, so I just, it's times like this where I wish I didn't read the material so I could just, it could have been floored by all of that. You know, it, it's cool to see it animated, you know, but like I didn't get to have that really intense reaction. But it was, it's it's awesome how they've been putting it together episode to episode. What, what are some, uh, you know, specific things you've liked about the, the last four episodes. Well, I like the character development. Uh, I like that. Um, the, the mom character, uh, she's not, she's involved. Like that's, I know it's silly. We're talking about a superhero show, but like, and I'm talking about the one not super powered person, but I think her story is really interesting about the way that she Mm -hmm. gets sidelined in her own life where, you know, it's superhero Mm -hmm. dad, normal mom, normal kid. So she relates to him and then suddenly he is anything but normal. And she has to sort of figure out where she still 
fits in this. And she takes a lot of agency. She talks about not just being Omni-Man's wife, that she makes choices and that mm. she works because she has purpose. And she's, she's, not, she's not an ancillary character. She's taking real agency in the story and trying to, as much mm. as you know, Omni-Man is trying to develop Invincible in his power-wise, she's sort of trying to bring the great responsibility that comes with great power uh, to, to the forefront, to use another comic book cliche. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to always be able to apply that cliche to every superhero thing. It's just like a perfect a perfect little uh, credo to, to add to superhero. Dumb. And holy cow, does this thing have like a who's who's voice cast? I mean, we're looking. Oh yeah, you got J- J.K. J.K. Simmons, Oscar-nominated mm-hmm. Stephen Yun. Yeah, he's fantastic. Sandra Oh, um, and then of course every Walking Dead, you know, ancillary person that you can throw <laughs> in. But you got like Mark Hamill showing up. Mm-hmm. You got Clancy Brown. Uh, for who don't know, he was like the the mean security guard from Shawshank Redemption, which again ties back to all those things. He's like insane in the voiceover world, bro. Like I don't know if I don't know if I mentioned it. I do voiceover and stuff, and Clancy Clancy Brown, he's like almost in every freaking cartoon. He's just he has he's the fantastic. best voice. Oh yeah, he has the best voice. Mm-hmm. So it's a real who's who's vocal cast. But you know what I want to tell you that I really I don't like if I can say it. Um, Jason, I'm gonna get this name wrong, and and God help me, Jason Mosaka. It's Greek. Uh, am I am I pronouncing it wrong? Um, I call him Raffi, if anybody had ever seen um, the league. Uh, Mansuzakas, Jason Mansuzakas. And, yeah, um, I know that guy. His voice is wrong. I'm sorry. That character's supposed to be a teenager, and every time he opens his mouth, I hear 40-year-old man. And I'm not the only <laughs> one in my household button up against that. Like, I love Raffi. If you ever saw the league, it's one of the most insane and crazy characters ever introduced on television. And I enjoy the stuff that he's in, but I cannot look at that character and see that voice come out of his mouth as a teenager. I'm not there. I'm not there. It pulls me right the fuck out of it every time he speaks. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I like to complain a little bit too. Yeah, you know, I, you know, you're not the only <laughs> hypercritical one here. Um, but that that gets me every time he opens his mouth. I'm like, I am, I'm not into this. Yeah, that's the thing. In that's the thing in the industry. Um, there's that character Dipper Pines from um, uh, Gravity Falls. Yeah, Gravity Falls. You know, like just straight up sounds like an adult. You know. Mm-hmm, like they, mm-hmm. they, they, this is something that they do. It's an aesthetic that they do. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, yeah. Uh, I just, I just, I just like in how the story is being told. I like that it's like an hour format. You don't really see that with animation. So that that already makes it look really super interesting. Um, the fact that they're they're that they're doing that. Um, I like the subtle changes that they've made. Um, you know this being like teenagers of now versus the teenagers of 2005 uh, when they originally made it. See, I haven't read the comics. So like you think that they, they've sort of updated the, the, I don't know, perspective of the teenagers to be in a little bit in the now. How so? Yeah. Oh, well, just like um, some of the the LGBTQ stuff and just like just the basic, you know, not technology stuff and lingo and, 
but He's also like isn't uh zazzy beats his character new to the series as well I'm so like i need to I, since i haven't read the book in so long i i don't remember that character i felt like that was like a new character added I, you know, like I said, I haven't read the comic, but I did read somewhere that they did uh, adapt uh, what was his girlfriend. I mean, I think we all understand that at some point he's going to fully 100% end up with Adam Eve. Um, that, you know, he's not long for his relationship with Zazie Beats. But my understanding was in the comic book, that character was white. And a lot of people have um, noticed that they changed it over to a, to a person of color. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I just don't have any strong memories of that person being like a black girl. So, yeah, uh, I, I like I like that addition. Um, I, I just I like anything that kind of uh, flips like in a really interesting way, flips like the norms of tropes, you know. So um, and Robert Kirkman does that a lot through most of his storytelling. So uh, like I, re I really appreciate that, you know. I mean, that's why I really love The Walking Dead, the comic book versus the show. You know, I just I just love what he was able to do with the comic book. I always thought the comic was better than the TV series. True, but he should have let Rick keep his hand in the comic. In the comic book, I, there was a great interview. There's a great interview with Robert Kirkman where they said, if you could change anything at all about The Walking Dead, what would you change? And he goes, oh, God, I'd give Rick back his hand so fast. He goes, you're sitting there writing that comic, and you write a scene, you're like, Rick finds and opens a jar of pickles. And then you're like, oh, no. No, he doesn't, actually. <laughs> he said that was yeah, one of his biggest regrets. Yeah, I remember him complaining about that. Oh, I always thought it was great, man. That book was so dope. Um, and can I throw this out about Invincible? If they ever do a live action adaptation, Nick Offerman must be Omni Man. That is non-negotiable. That'd be great. Uh, did <laughs> you, you imagine see... Rod Swanson as Omni Man? <laughs> I want that so bad. Did you see Debs? Debs. Oh, D E B S. Right. It was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... Oh man, I'm why? Why do I know it? But I can't place it. Uh, fill me in. You got to watch that. Offerman's in that one. So you got to watch that. I mean, I don't want to say anything else about it. Just have to watch it. And all of you all guys right. listening, watch it too. It's on, I think it's still on Hulu. It was an FX show. It's fantastic. But uh, well, if, if you're an Offerman fan and you want to see him doing something a little bit different than what you've seen him do, that's the thing to watch. All I right. love so, him watching him on this. Let's go into Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, uh, so real quick, before we go into Falcon Winter Soldier, one other thing I just want to mention is they got to fix Adam Eve's logo in the show, in the cartoon. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, man. It looks like a big X over a female symbol, whereas in the yeah. comic book, because I had to look this up, I was like, why is she anti-feminist? What's with logo? Mm -hmm. And it's, mm -hmm. it's an atomic symbol over a, the female symbol, but because of the limitations of the animation, they literally draw it in the cartoon as an X, and the whole time in the first episode, that took me out of it too. I was like, she's Adam Eve, but she's anti-women. I don't, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. So, so for mm -hmm. all the Amazon execs who are clearly listening to this podcast, fix that up, please. <laughs> but yes, Falcon and the yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah, get to work. Get to work, would you please? <laughs> <sighs> all right. So again, going back to the whole idea of like being just like getting complete satisfaction out of like, um, extending a story, I had I've always had a problem with Rhodey and 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 Falcon, going back to the comic books, and even into the movies because they're they're the black best friend, 
And I hate that trope. You know, the, the black best friend is a trope that is like, you know, along with like the, the black guy that gets killed first and, you yeah. know, like, uh, like, you know, like it's, it's a trope that gets on my nerves, even to the point where like there was this really nauseating scene where it's like uh, in Civil War where Rhodey and, and, and Falcon are going at each other like, like, like they set their dogs off at each other, you know, and that was really annoying to me. So finally, when you like the other, the other thing is just like you didn't really get the identity of those characters other than that they were just friends of the characters. Like you didn't get a sense of their life or anything. So when when Captain when um Falcon Winter Soldier opens with these two black dudes having a talk with each other, and you know, like they're black guys finally. <laughs> Well, and I, think, I think Marvel's acknowledging just what you're saying by satirizing it, by giving the new Captain America a black sidekick, because we're not supposed to like the new Captain America. And anybody who is going after the actor in real life for a character that he plays on TV should just freaking stop. It's sad because Marvel knows you're not supposed to like this guy and you don't, which means he's doing a good, he's doing a good job. And they specifically show that the government is so tone deaf that the first thing they do is they give him Battlestar, the black sidekick and everybody else in that universe looks at this and goes with the, with an appropriate side eye. So I think Marvel acknowledges that history and is mm-hmm. actively making fun of themselves in the show for it. Yeah. So, I mean, all I'm saying is like, I really appreciated that. Like then like them, them talking to each other and, you know, talking about some real stuff, you know, and um, yeah, that along with, you know, all of the, it's, it's so crazy to see white America get so up in arms when like their favorite escapism happens to include stuff about black people's lives, you know, and then like, and then feeling uncomfortable and then wanting to get, get like, like to a point of they're rejecting the, uh, the stories. It's, it's just a, it's just a really funny thing to watch. Arthur, if you want, if, if you want, I'll take a moment and I'll speak to white people everywhere. Hello, white people. Please do. I'm one of your own. Nobody took away your birthday. Nobody deleted all the stuff you like, okay? All of the things that you love are still there. You want to read Captain America comics where Sam Wilson starts out as a pimp? I don't recommend it. It has since been retconned. But if you would like to go and support your local comic shop and buy that issue, no one is going to stop you. You can have these things that were so damn problematic and that we're in the process of fixing. If you don't like the stuff that they're making now, feel free to change the channel. That is all. That's so funny that you mentioned that because I forgot that tidbit. And... Uh, Marvel is so deep cut in in the in the uh, Madripoor episode. He he refers to himself as looking like a pimp. <laughs> that was literally his origin story until Marvel was like, you know what? He that, that's a retcon. Uh, 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 Red Skull put those memories in his head to you know he was oh, actually God. a social worker, not a pimp. And you know, good on Marvel for fixing that kind of stuff because it's you know oh, it's man. problematic, man. And we don't. But it just need shows it. how how deep cut they are. It just shows how deep cut they are that they would make that reference as well. You know, in in a very interesting way. You know, um, 
Uh, I wanted to just talk about like very different features of the show that I really care about. Like, you know, first of all, I love all the Sam stuff that they're doing, establishing his world and and showing the the kind of the day to day stuff that he goes through. Um, so like the the thing that I'm noticing you know, in my own life is that you know since this stuff happens to us all the time, it could be overwhelming for other people, and if they get tired of seeing it, well, yeah, I'm tired of experiencing it as well. But that's what happens to me. <laughs> you know, and by extension, that's what happens to you know, this Marvel character that happens to be black. Well, I think you know? that that's it's it's important though, because one of the things we've touched on a lot in this episode is bringing this material into the current day and age. And people have to understand that there's a living reality that exists for people that are not them. I will never know what it's mm-hmm. like to be a black man in America. I just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to delve too deep into the social ramifications for that, but I can acknowledge that you as an African American man have a perspective. Yeah. I simply can never have. Yeah. I just, can't. I mean, but what's always good is if we're trying to seek understanding and, I mean, that's, you know, it's, but some people, like, that's the last thing they want to do, and that's the, whatever the problem. You know, so, um you know, along with all the, the really awesome action scenes that this, this show is, is uh, being able to accomplish. um All the money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, just, every episode is such a treat because it's like a, a new movie, you know. um I love everything that they're doing with, uh, with the Winter Soldier. Especially as the story just keeps going, you know, because, uh, you know, these Captain America movies have always been kind of the spy thriller thing. So it's it's always having characters operate in the gray zone. So, um, you know, it just it just makes the story like just so compelling to seeing all these like knots that the characters have to tie themselves in, especially um, involving Zemo uh, um, recently, you know. And uh, and you know, as you've seen at the end of that episode, and 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 what Sam had said, um, remember what Zemo did to their king <laughs> of Wakanda? Well, that's exactly it's it. Like, and then and they helped. They helped you. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are so many different angles, and you're right. He does exist in that gray zone where he he's objective-oriented, but Sam is also acutely aware of what this character did to a large black community, and that that community, oh, yeah. which while uh, Winter Soldier has spent some time with them, he cannot fully grasp exactly what Mm-mm. this means to them and the depth well, of yeah, this insult I mean, he's been he's been yeah he's been assassinating people for 90 years <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just like to me to him it's just like a, like a minor contrivance you know so um it's so cool i can't wait to see the next episode oh yeah like, to see how how the hell is he going to explain well, yeah, you know, I I need to work with Zemo so we can we can deal with these flag smashers. <laughs> and Wakanda is basically like, no, um, we're just gonna take care of this on our own. Like, because again, yeah, <laughs> why should why should the Dora Milaje not approach this perspective with the same perspective that uh that that Bucky has? Bucky's like, look, I have yeah. to do X, Y, and Z, and I need this guy to do it, and this is important to me, and this is what's going on. Well, you know, then fine, then yeah. you know what. We feel A, B, and C, and we're gonna do what we're gonna do. And you know what? Maybe you try to stop us. Yeah, man, I I can't wait. Now it's so cool that 
now we got the what you know Wakanda all up in this. Oh, the world's oh, just man. getting bigger and oh. bigger and bigger. The addition of Agent Carter. As to my point earlier, Tom. <laughs> right. I'm saying. I'm just saying that. Like, I like it. But I don't need uh-huh. it all the time. My dude, <laughs> say it with me. Every single ride doesn't have to be the roller coaster. If you went to an amusement park <laughs> and every single ride was the roller coaster, every single ride was, you know, the, the biggest, craziest thing. By the end of the day, you would be craving some teacups. Like, I ride the teacups, man. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> and I think that there's space in the world for the teacup you know, movies where there isn't so much money in it. Look, look, we just, we were talking about before, um, uh, from the, the, uh, Aquaman universe, they just canceled the, the, um, what, what was it? The, the, the trench, right? Dude, make that as a $20 million standalone horror film. It doesn't have to be part of the universe. It doesn't have to be a hundred million, $200 million. Just make a little movie. Just let Kano Las Dos, my friend. Why can we not have it all? Can mm. we have it all? Because because the point is that no one knows what it is. No one was asking for it. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you guys should be making first. That's 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 the point with that situation. Right. You know, like they wanted to, they wanted to make the new guys with Ava DuVernay. They canceled that too. I knew that wasn't. I of course I knew that wasn't going to happen. Ava DuVernay, she did a really bad uh, bad uh, job with the the time movie. You know, um, and uh, I imagined that whatever she learned on that movie, that maybe uh, New Gods would be marginally better. But like, who knows what the New Gods are in the first place? You teach them, though. You know? I mean, why, look, is the Snyder Cut not a perfectly fine? Uh, God, we're getting on a tangent again. But is it the Snyder Cut uh, a perfectly good entryway into the New Gods? Now we've got Dark Side and we've got... You know, we we we've got the basis of the new the gods. Snyder, the Snyder cut, bro. <laughs> They're not gonna do the Snyder cut stuff anymore. They needed to set this stuff up before, and they colossally failed at. No, doing but I'm that. saying that you've introduced you know, like, Dark Side. You've at least shown him in the universe. We can, we could have, we could have gotten into the new gods. I don't know. Jack Kirby is my patron saint, and so I, I would have liked to have he seen is, it. He is though. I can understand canceling it. Yeah. So anyway, uh. The Marvel is kicking so much butt. Like, like from this low, this low key series is gonna be so insane. You know, like we talk about genres. They're mixing like Doctor Who. It does feel very timey wimey. Like, oh heck yeah, man! Like they're so great. Oh I don't know. God. I just think uh, um, I think Rick and Morty said it best that like when you start screwing with time, things get a little bit weird. Like like here we go. I'm going to throw out an objection I'm going to have before the show even starts. Um, so if if everything that Loki did broke the time stream, then how did Captain America growing old in the past not do the same? Well, he spent all that he spent all of his time in a different um, dimension, a dimension he created is, is by what? going there, apparently. Yeah, that's that's what he did, you know, and. But he spent most of the time repairing what he could have, based off of what the Russos were saying, you know, because he he did put every gym back to where they were supposed to be, and you know, it took him a while to do it. 
All right, if know, they're going to lean into um, the fact that taking the actual Tesseract from that time and moving is what broke time and not actually... Because here's something I rub up against in, in time travel stuff is that this whole idea of changing things in the past changes things in the future. I was so glad that Marvel got rid of that in their time travel stuff that just being in the past doesn't affect your future because you look at something like mm-hmm. uh, um, Back to the Future, like just your being there changes things in the past you are touching things that no one touched you're moving you know it does it have to be an object can it be a molecule like what's the macro micro scale of changing things if you can see my air quote fingers so i i i think that having those changes tied to an infinity stone resolves a lot of that for me but i think time travel gets messy what i'm hoping from that trailer bring it all the way back around again is that we see loki battling loki through time that the reason that they need this Loki variant, which was awesome that they literally had that printed on the back of his shirt, uh, is that they need him to go fight himself. Because when that trailer, when they showed the timeline split, it doesn't split once like we see in Avengers Endgame. We see it splitting yeah, you dozens see a bunch of, of times. So I think Loki, he's oh, yeah. going to have to go. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be Loki's uh, Doctor Who adventure. I'm here for it. Yeah, basically it's going to be, for, if you look at the trailer, you can see that there's several different types of Lokis, you know? And then, you know, especially when you see that hooded figure, a lot of people are speculating that's the female Loki. Yeah, I've heard that you theory. Know? That'd be so, awesome. That would be great. Give me a female Loki. Yeah. And then the Loki for president, which of course is so iconic with the button on his suit and mm-hmm. the horns. It's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So oh, we look yeah. forward to that for sure. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Especially Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Owen Wilson's in everything. I just saw he's got another big movie like coming out shortly and stuff. He was gone for a while, and I guess he's back in a big way, big way now. But I think oh, I yeah, also think dope. this series is going to set us up for Kang the Conqueror and everything he's going to mean in Ant Man Three. Well, yeah, they're they're setting up seeds for Kang in so many of the projects right now. I mean, you basically see Kang's face on one of those statues. Like the the actor Jonathan Majors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the three yeah, timekeepers that they show in like there are statues of them all over the yeah. place and murals of them and yeah. So you think one of them is definitely yeah. Kang? Yeah, the one in the ah, center. I, I don't know. It was so geometric. I didn't see it as being absolutely unequivocally Kang, but I see it now. I see now. He's just saying it. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's setting up. Like, I mean, of course, like when they do Quantum Mania, we're really going to see a lot about him. And then I, I think, of course, they're going to tie him directly to the Fantastic Four. Cause you can't not. He's yeah. literally. He's Nathaniel Richards. Yeah, he's Reed Richards, you know, uh, the descendant. So. Yep. Yeah, man. I'm so excited. Like, to be able to talk about all the stuff. And, again, it's like, it's a thorough story. We have to go back and forth about, like, oh, yeah, we, we, you, know, we, you know, I like the one-off stuff, too. I just can't. I just can't. I, I love that I'm living in this era where I could have a story like in celluloid that is reminiscent to how like um, you're following a story that you've been reading for like eight years in the comic book. Well, this happened because of this. And then when this happened, this character did this. And, and then this move, oh my God. And when he, when he picked up the, the hammer, 
You know, you're right. You're right. No, look, you know? I'm, I'm happy to swim in the deep end of continuity and anybody who's been into comic books. And you know, even if you're not, if you're into any other kind of serialized story, the fact that this world can be so big that you almost feel like it really exists. It's a joy. It's a joy to be in. I hope that DC finds a way to make that work for them. And I hope that, uh, Marvel continues to hit the ball out of the park every single time. Like, like they seem to be doing. Do we, uh, do we have any homework? for next week let's see well we just have more episodes of invincible and um and uh and uh, falcon winter soldier uh we also have the jupiter's legacy trailer that just dropped the mark millar uh a book i don't know if you saw that or, or oh yeah that's that. gonna be on uh net netflix right yeah. Nef- netflix owns the millar universe now. yeah 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 so there's that and um what else is coming out um We'd have to we have to look it up. I mean, but um, I'm sure we'll have something to talk about next time. <laughs> and for anybody who might be listening, if you're looking for uh, if you're loving comic books and you're looking for a deep cut, uh, can I recommend Fast Color? Um, if anyone hasn't seen this, Arthur, if you haven't seen, yeah, this, I know about Fast Color. It is you know all about. Fa- of course you do. You, know, <laughs> you, you watch everything. <laughs> but for anybody who's loving uh, slow burn comic book drama. And wants to see some more, you know, persons of color and and different stories being told in communities that you might not otherwise be exposed to. This is this is an excellent comic book movie by for all, you know, superhero movie uh, that's set in an amazingly original and uh, inventive context. And so if anybody's like if, if you like Marvel, go watch Fast Color. Um, I'm going to recommend a kids movie. Uh, that Robert Rodriguez did called "We Are Heroes." Uh, like I, I just I don't want like you know you know, I have a daughter and I, I see a fair amount of kids movies, uh, especially like uh, animated ones. But this like is a live action one that like I've really I I can't remember the last time I enjoyed like a kids like superhero movie or whatever, you know. Um, so that one is really good. It's on Netflix. Uh, if you want to enjoy a little bit of a yarn. So there you go. Everything doesn't have to be deep, interconnected continuity. How much we like it. Go out, seek out the smaller stuff. There is continuity, sir. There is continuity, sir. The first one was <sighs> Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Thank you very much, bro. <laughs> so the movie you recommended is in the Shark Boy and Lava Girl universe. Yes. <laughs> I will. Well, I, I, I did not know that. I am not as well versed in the Shark Boy Lava Girl verse, uh, but I will take your word for it that this is quality entertainment for young people who are then going to have to go back and watch a whole host of other movies. What a weird career that guy's had. What an amazing variety to his projects. But that's a story. That's for another time. Robert Rodriguez. Oh, man. So good. So good. And this has been Tales to Admonish. I'm Arthur Romeo. And I'm Tom, and we'll see you next time.